Good morning. On today's Bowl of Question Crunch, my friend Alex Weitzman joins me to talk about cartoons. He's an awesome voice actor, a cartoon aficionado, and after such a rough week, I definitely needed to talk about cartoons. This week was stressful as hell. I was n- yeah. it was not a fun week. And <laughs> yeah. the be- so when when I watch scary movies or I get really tense or just you know I I, I need a I need to cleanse my palate, get to a get to um a safe state of mind, I guess, a stable state of mind. I watch cartoons. So that's why I had to have my buddy Alex here because Alex is one of my favorite people to talk to about cartoons, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. We're just going to, you know, just chat about our favorite subject. Well, I, I guess it's your favorite subject. Is it your favorite that, subject? That, that is a fair thing to say. It is definitely my favorite subject. Okay, I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to put words in your mouth. It, it was a good assumption. You know, you've known me long enough to know that that was probably accurate. <laughs> well, it's one, of the, it's one of the subjects that I feel bad whenever people are around us, because if we get in the conversation about cartoons and everyone there's a, else— There's a wall up. Like, everybody else couldn't possibly keep up with us. <laughs> unless, unless they can, in which case they can, they can interact— that we can have a great conversation about cartoons, but if you don't know cartoons, ah, shit, sorry, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're out. <laughs> Eat our dust. <laughs> um, and then when I was looking at uh, timelines, because I love anniversaries. Anniversaries and holidays are some of my favorite things. I feel bad because so much of my comics on my webcomic, uh, most of my comic strips have been better. Whenever a holiday or an anniversary comes up, I'm like, fuck it, all right, I, that's what I'm going to talk about. And one of the anniversaries of one of my favorite animated films is uh, it, today, we're, we're recording this on the 8th, but when this bowl of Question Crunch goes up, it'll be the 13th, and that will be the 80th anniversary of Fantasia. Woo! 80 friggin' years of my, my, the earliest of the Disney films that I personally adore. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Um <sighs> It's one of the most inspirational, like, uh, I, a lot of people, like, I've, I've had this conversation with people where they say, uh, they're like, oh, well, listen to music when you go to sleep. And I'm like, no, I can't. Uh, my imagination goes nuts when I listen to music. <laughs> and classical music is that is that thing where the moment I start listening to classic, classical music, I start visualizing random ass stories that go with it. And I blame Fantasia. So what is your fan, favorite Fantasia segment? My favorite Fantasia segment, if we're choosing uh, from just the original film, which, of course, is the one reaching its 80th uh, anniversary, uh, is going to have to be the Nutcracker Suite, actually. Nutcracker is my favorite from the original film. I think it's the one that um, best recontextualizes its music in a way that was not you know, contextualized in that fashion before. I think it's beautiful and brilliant. Some of the most iconic moments, I think, that absolutely stick in your mind now that said if i'm choosing between both films all fantasia segments on the line i gotta say rhapsody in blue why Rhaps- is that rhapsody well part of it's personal i think i you interrupted know. you right when you were going to explain it oh no no not, not at all uh, uh no it's a fair question um, explain why even though you're about to explain why with your explanation <laughs> that you had teed up uh it's personal um i'm from new york so that, that's a part of it 
and obviously just in, in a huge love of the two main artistic influences of that particular short, Hirschfeld and his remarkable, you know, caricatures and line work and cartoons, and as of course Gershwin. Um, and you know, Rhapsody in Blue did not start life as part of Fantasia 2000. Fantasia 2000 having this long production history that was back and forth and very tricky for it to finally, you know, get to uh, uh, to fruition. Starting, <laughs> I think, 91 is kind of considered Roy's folly within the, the Disney universe at the time. But uh, but even though it didn't start life as a Fantasia segment, it's such a perfect Fantasia segment. And, God, I just love everything about it. It gives me goosebumps every time I watch it, no matter how many times I've watched it. I love the, I love the music. Uh, that song, oh, yeah. well... Um, I love it whenever I see caricatures animated. Um, I'm just always a big fan of that kind of art style of the the long curvy lines and the uh, yes. crazy abstract shapes for everyone's faces. That's going to be <laughs> something that I always focus on in everything. And I feel like a lot of modern cartoons um, owe caricatures because I, I see a whole lot of really just bizarre shapes when it comes to <laughs> cartoons now. Yeah. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and of course, Rhapsody in Blue is directed by Eric Goldberg, who okay. was the animator behind The Genie. And The Genie, in particular, had been specifically designed from a Hirschfeldian perspective. And he had made the effort to have the cleanup artists on Aladdin work in the kind of thick and thin line work of Hirschfeld uh, when they were doing The the Genie. So it's, in many respects, it's The Genie writ large, uh, Rhapsody in Blue. And it's uh, everything about it is I, I I usually talk for a living, but it this leaves me a lack for words. <laughs> <laughs> I I I, uh, I think I saw a documentary that said Aladdin was going to be focusing on a caricature kind of art style because of all the curves in Arabic art, just the uh, wavy lines, and you see that with caricatures, and you see that with Jafar, just the really ridiculous like. I, I love it that uh, <laughs> you know so many animated uh, female characters have really small waists, but I'm like, look at fucking Jafar. Jafar is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. J- J- Jafar has his hourglass figure. There's no quite a bit. <laughs> um, and you followed my. Uh, God, Jafar, talk. you look great in any outfit. It's incredible. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. And you followed my uh, Toontober, like uh, over the oh over God, the yes. month of October, I was going you through all these different art styles. You were freaking on point. That was all a lot of goddamn fun. month, man. I mean, and you know, for an animation historian slash uber nerd of myself, uh, that that well, I got I got to point out that the month was basically I was going through uh, doing art styles throughout the history of animation. All right, continue. Yeah. I just well, that's I what I was saying. Well, that's what I was saying. It's like that <laughs> yeah. that in particular is catnip. For me, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it, it, it's the sort of thing that there's, I, I don't know who else could possibly be like, ah, <laughs> as much for it as, as I am. <laughs> it was, it was weird. It was, uh, there were stuff there. It was weird looking at the evolution of animation and the like, character design and uh, trying to uh, recreate it because I, I think I have a better appreciation and understanding of how character design evolved where it felt like uh, everyone was trying to, like, once, you know, the golden age of cartoons, uh, um, well, the, the rubber hose, the rubber hose arms, 
um, that was really silly and really simplistic. And then they kept get, trying to get better. And then it felt like they kept trying to copy what was already great. And then at some point in the 80s, they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do whatever the fuck we want. We, let's be bizarre. And then nowadays, it feels like they want the bizarre, but they also want to go with the simplistic style of the earliest ages of animation because they have the technology, but they can make it, uh, they can use these, you can, they can make the simplistic characters, but do it a lot better. And I feel like that's where we're at. I think it is very interesting, and I, I think it's going to be curious to see, especially with the Animaniacs revival that's coming to Hulu uh, in just a few days, I think it's going to be interesting to see if we see an increase in a different stylistic approach. Um, you know, if it's going to stop being quite the same super simplistic style, if we're going to go back to a slightly more uh, you know, second Renaissance-ish uh, stylistic approach. But that said, the new Animaniac style, it is slightly um, modulated. I'm really excited to see what, what comes of it, frankly. It's it's weird because there are moments when I saw like the trailer for it where um, like the moments where the Warners are running down the side and they're like, la! It's beautiful and fluid. But then there are moments when like they were singing the theme song and you have Yakko and Wacko doing this kind of thing and it, felt, it looked really choppy. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's going to be a little jarring, but I don't think it's going to I don't think that that feeling of jarring is going to last long because I feel like it's going to be like with the, the when I watch the Dark Crystal where here are characters that I know should look like this. But once I get used to seeing the new version of them, I'll get I'll get over that. I'll get, yeah. <laughs> I'll get over that. Yeah, it's, it's about being comp compelling and convincing. That's the, the most important thing of any uh, artistic stylistic choice, you know, regardless of whether it's real, <laughs> real. <laughs> um, well, I went on reality. I, I went on this tangent about Toontober. The reason why I brought up Toontober was because uh, I want to mention that when I drew a Frankenfurter in the uh, the, Rena the Disney Renaissance style, I I was inspired by I was inspired by Ursula, Jafar, and Gaston. I I didn't I didn't know I would need all three. <laughs> for this one character because <laughs> if you look at uh frankenfurter's mouth that was that was absolutely jafar i was focusing uh, on jafar nice i have to go back and look at that <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun um and i feel like when I, we, we were talking about caricatures being animated um i feel like cats don't dance did that so well Absolutely, Dance had a lot of really great caricatures because it placed itself at a very specific moment in time in Hollywood history. So it had a number of, you know, people that it wanted to, you know, bring in, you know, Mae West and Jimmy Durante and Clark Gable. And it, that was great. A lot of great design work in that. And you see that with a lot of characters, the wide shoulders and the very itty bitty non-existent waist. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that, what, it, feel, it feels like gothic art. It feels like a gothic cathedral all I the can... way on top. And Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, in a way, it's not too dissimilar from the essential Tim Burton design of Jack Skellington. Amen. Um, and I, uh, I was trying to think of like what would be my favorite segment from Fantasia. And we were talking about earlier um, that I really love the Nutcracker. I feel like I knew. I feel like I knew those that song. Those. I feel like I knew that music in Fantasia before I knew about the Nutcracker. <laughs> because my mind always goes to Fantasia whenever I hear the music. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't see any, I don't see any problem with that. I feel like anytime you expose kids to classical music, it's important. I agree. Uh, which 
brings me to this question. <laughs> is it all important to animate classical music? <laughs> I, I would say so. I, I really would. I think that um, I, I think that your average regular bedrock of culture at any given moment in time has a tendency to not reach too far back into history. Um, think about what nostalgia culture is right now. Nostalgia culture is the 90s, you know, not to make you feel old. God knows I do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's you know, the concept of what old is, is ever moving forward. And so that has a danger of leaving behind things that are significantly older than what the nostalgia of what is right now uh you know, you know significant and to that extent i think it's very important to bring something like classical music into you know animation because it's such a great way to introduce people to it especially children and and, and classical music in particular is really great for animation because there has to be so much character and life to the to the melodies and the the concepts that uh, you know in just an oral capacity that it brings such opportunity to uh to it and not just in the disney fantasia kind of way but i mean you know i i, I know you you as well grew up on looney tunes as thoroughly as as i did and it's all over that that that's my all-time favorite piece of art ever is a looney tune specifically rabbit of seville <laughs> why is that rabbit of seville i mean i mean we, we can go on i i'm, I'm going to this is what's going to happen is because <laughs> i really love rabbit of seville um and i'm looking forward to this conversation <laughs> <laughs> rabbit of seville um it's it's just it's the thing that most gets me like it, it, it hooks me every single time i see even a couple of frames of it here just a little bit of the music it, and like i'm I've, I've got to to engage with it I, I've way back in the day I wrote about this. I, I, you know, the concept of the favorite is something that I don't think is really emotional or intellectual. I think it's chemical. I think it's something that just chemically mixes with whatever it is that's in the rest of of my body, my my mind. <laughs> and like your separate some, pieces, right? Whatever works with this thing. Whatever works with all this, and just I don't know, chemically, Rabbit of Seville is the thing that most activates most like engages in that fashion and so uh and so that that's something where you just get that how do welcome to my shop let me cut your mop let me shave your crop daintily daintily and then and it, it, it's uh, that last part of that lyric that really gets me <laughs> like and i and i and i'd have to agree with you i but i don't think i think the thing that makes this so magical is that it's a sum of all parts. It's it's a sum of is that the phrase? Sum of all parts? I think so. Either okay. way, yeah. <laughs> it it's it's everything that's involved in this cartoon. Um, one of my favorite things to do is focus on facial expressions whenever I'm drawing. And a lot of people have said that. They've said, you know, I like your facial expressions. And I'm like, yeah, because it fucking matters to me so much. <laughs> um and Bugs, the, the facial expression that Bugs has in when he's <laughs> uh, doing the head massage on yes. uh FUD is so great uh, <laughs> the, the I, weird kind of lidded expression of like almost deadpan <laughs> i feel like i see that facial expression all the time at work at the warehouse just <laughs> the whole just the, <laughs> and, and i feel like i know that more i feel like as i've gotten older i've known that facial expression better 
you've known the emotion behind that facial expression all the better. Absolutely. Just, it's, just go on. Oh, I was going to say the other thing about it is that because there, you know there are two truly widely remembered pieces of you know um, classical music with Bugs Bunny, which is Rabbit is Vil and What's Opera Doc. And What's Opera Doc is great, but it, it's it's almost too immense to adore at the same level that I adore Rabbit of Seville. Rabbit of Seville to me is um, by by trade and by reputation, I am an imp. <laughs> I I take that to be the highest honor to be something of an imp in people's lives in and in, in, in general. And I think there's an impishness to the overall <laughs> because at a certain point in Rabbit of Seville, at a certain point Rabbit of Seville, profile. I hope that's on your dating profile, your description. Uh, I, I think it, it will be. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> uh, I, I think that because at a certain point Rabbit of Seville, Bugs is no, uh, you know, Fudd is not fighting back. He he's. It, it, it's you're just watching bugs fuck with him <laughs> and it, it, there's there's a mischievous glint in my eye by by that point in the in the watching of that cartoon that i just i adore the thoroughly and he's just but it but it's deserved because also at the very beginning of the cartoon bugs is hunted and there's something really just the way they animate the very first time you see bugs in that cartoon he's he's got the door slammed and he's up against it and is heavily breathing and that i don't think you've ever seen him as scared of elmer fudd as you have in that beginning of that cartoon and i i think that sets it up i could dissect this cartoon each way till sunday basically every possible frame of it it's it, it's it's what I love. <laughs> so in a previous bowl of Question Crunch, uh, I had my friend Quentin uh, as a guest, and it's funny because we actually talked about what's Opera Doc, uh-huh. and uh, um, I asked him, and I'm going to ask you this question because I feel like I'm going to draw this right now. Uh, <laughs> which character would you be, Bugs or Elmer Fudd? Oh, Bugs. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I I guessed that, but I wanted to ask you this because when I draw, because I because Quentin said he wants to be Fudd, and I was like, holy shit. Now I gotta draw this. If I got two guests that talked about what's Opera Doc, I want to make this happen. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Bunny of Seville is amazing, and I do think of Looney Tunes, and I feel like I feel like I want more animated classical music. I really need it because I feel like uh, and I've told this to a lot of people is that I don't like it when cartoons focus too much on talking like kids. Because I feel like uh, it should be a little above, it should be on their level, but also a little above their level, so that there's you, you there's room to grow, that you can get older and have a higher vocabulary and higher understanding of culture. That uh, watching those cartoons at an older age, you're like, holy shit, I know things better now. I, I also I think those are the cartoons <laughs> that work. I also think those are the cartoons that work better. I, honestly, I think when you try to talk to kids at their level, for one thing, as an adult, you're as all of these works are, you, you know, cartoons are not created by kids. <laughs> you know, it's what um, I know, right? <laughs> Professionals. <laughs> uh, My favorite thing is when people say, uh, "Oh, you like cartoons? Shouldn't you grow out of it?" I was like, "Who the fuck makes them?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like, by, so by nature, as an adult, you have to try to age yourself down. And it, it's not a bad thing to try to appreciate and understand and sympathize and empathize and put yourself in the position of a kid. But at the same time, um, the the ones that work best, kids 
are trying to grow. The world that kids inhabit is one that's invented for and for the most part caters to adults. And kids want to understand that world. They want to be as involved with that world as possible. And so you create animation that's going to get them closer to it. You'll bring, I mean, to what degree they're capable of at, at, at any age and you know development process they're at. But you don't try to just cater to just at that exact moment that they're at. It's because then there's nowhere to go and kids can sense that. I think they can sense when it's nothing but what they already see every day. I hope so. <laughs> it's like so. a, um, and I I feel I I feel like uh, cartoons that for example, and I mentioned this in so many different bowls of ser- of uh, question crunches that I mention uh, hysteria a lot because I feel like I learned so much from that. But when it comes to classical music, um, I remember uh, a friend recently said. Uh, she she sent me the, something about Hall of the Mountain King and she's like uh, um, she's like oh here's a bit of classical music in case you didn't know what I was talking about I was like no I fucking know Hall of the Mountain King come on that's in so many different animated stuff like that's if I didn't know it I would I would have to turn in my animation fan card. <laughs> <laughs> so given that essentially the Looney Tunes already have with corny concerto uh-uh. don't do don't do don't do already. <laughs> that's right, your well, limit that's your limit <laughs> okay all right well then then the obvious choice would be the looney tunes but then of course they did do a corny concerto in yeah. 1943 which is a direct parody of fantasia and okay. has uh elmer fudd in the deems taylor role uh and has two separate segments in it with you know uh, the blue danube bit with the daffy and then the other piece with the uh, porky and bugs uh but if i were to choose something a little bit more modern day especially with the Animaniacs revival coming, I would probably say the Animaniacs. I would love to see some Animaniacs uh, classical music going, especially with the Warners, who I feel have, they've gotten a good run with a bunch of tin pan material from the from the 20s, but I'd love to see what they do with some more classical. I mean, Wacko's Gloves. True. There is there is the Great Wackerati. You're, you're, you're right. Wacko's Gloves and the Great Wackerati. I just want more. <laughs> yeah, no, no, more is okay. More is okay. Uh, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, do I want Gravity Falls or do I want uh, Gravity Falls was the obvious one because my mind is always on Gravity Falls. <laughs> but then, then my mind took a left turn in a really weird way. Uh, the Tick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. See that. Ooh. That's a yeah, good right? one. That's a good one. I mean, that's that's the only superhero property I could see that really working with. Um, maybe Darkwing Duck as well. That would be a good uh, Fantasia opportunity with Darkwing Duck. <laughs> and I'm all for that. I like exposing. I I, I want because I feel like that's what got me into classical music is cartoons. Yeah. Uh, seeing how. Because I feel like a lot of times classical music is trying to capture uh, an emotion more than anything. Because like I, I do love music, music's amazing. But I feel like classical music will do so much with so little. Like you'll have like one instrument that really tells you how to feel. Or because um, like I love musical theory and I love color theory. And when you can combine mm-hmm. the two, it's gorgeous. You're basically right. manipulating someone's emotions with uh, colors and music, and it's fantastic. Um, that's, I mean, that brings me, reminds me of one of the great moments of Ratatouille, which uh, of course is the, how to make taste 
tangible for a film audience because of course nobody is sitting in the theater can actually taste what remy or any of the other characters are tasting and so you've got that scene where remy tastes the cheese and then he tastes the strawberry and he tastes them together and uh, and brad bird and his team tried to come up with how to musically and visually represent what he is eating in kind of an abstract fashion and that's uh, i think a great version of that oh i totally agree and i feel like uh that's in a way, I, in my opinion, the point of animation <laughs> exactly um, is to is to take something abstract <laughs> that doesn't exist <laughs> and see if you can uh, make sense of it. And I feel like that's amazing. Um, I and the best watched... thing about animation is that animation is best situated to do that, especially for abstract concepts that perhaps cannot be truly or compellingly or believably uh, evoked in live action. What animation is capable of doing is it's, I'm, I'm being a little bit of an animation evangel uh, evangelical here. Oh no, don't, that's a horrible <laughs> word. But evangelical about animation, so to just speak. Don't, just don't go speaking tongue. <laughs> yeah, my point being that uh, animation has this ability to take uh, concepts that are perhaps difficult and or impossible to evoke believably in reality and can actually do them. And while I love some uh, any number of times when animation is able to evoke real things, I don't think that animation should be limited to the fantastical. I think there's such power uh, artistically to the fact that animation can do what nothing else can. And to show my bias, that is why I think it is better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bias is perfectly fine, in my opinion. Uh, that's 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 the main reason why I wanted to talk to you about cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, that's me being something of an animation evangelist there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite cartoon theme song? Oh, man. I know. The word favorite is so weird. It, it, it I, is. I love a lot of theme songs. It, it truly is. Um, but I'm going to have to choose Batman. Oh. I'm going to have, <laughs> you know, as, as much as as much as I adore any number of great theme songs that have wonderful lyrics and stuff like that, Batman, the animated series, the, the theme is so perfect. So brilliantly uh, designed to get you into the mood of that song you you hear two notes and you're there you're ready for gotham and of, of course obviously the the opening segment itself is a perfect piece of animation a perfect short film evoking the idea of batman unto itself and as many people have pointed out over many years now talking about this amazing theme uh, song opening it do, it does not say the word batman at any point because it does not need to the concept of batman is completely communicated to you without actually using the word but even just the music alone and it's a it's a reworking of the elfman theme of course but god it's perfect now but but if you're going to pick something that wasn't a reworking of another theme then i'll go animaniacs Okay, cool. That's the other end of the pendulum swing where instead of it being this perfect evocation on a dramatic level of the evocation of what the series is, the Animaniacs theme song is perfect entertainment unto itself. 
and it's so you know and it's got the elements that are you know slide in slide out like the you know the, the last gag right right before the the last line of it you know with like miss Delaney, dana delaney kaka maybe um but just overall it it is in and of itself a perfect piece of entertainment even without the rest of the show like you could watch the theme song and be happy <laughs> before you, you get to the show are you looking forward to the new Animaniacs theme song? Because uh, I don't think they're going to mention uh, Bill Clinton plays the sax. Well, to be fair, <laughs> they did cut out Bill Clinton plays the sax somewhere in the second season of the original show. Okay. Uh, the, the, so, the, the, which I mean, Bill Clinton was still a friggin' president. It's just nobody really cared about him playing the saxophone at that point. Other things uh, I that happened. Did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. I'm. I don't know if they're going to make it vastly different. Uh, I hope it's not weird in a, in a, you know, like, like in an off brand kind of fashion, but at the same time, what I've seen of it. So uh, of the material so far is very much in keeping with the comedic aesthetic of, of Animaniacs. I'm very excited about it. So I think even if they do make changes to the theme song, I I'm trusting that it's going to be very much in the same spirit. After they uh, released the Jurassic Park teaser, I had full faith in this project. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when, when I first mentioned it, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't think that they're going to be able to capture the, the, the energy and uh, spirit of the previous, uh, of, of the 90s cartoons. But then I saw the Jurassic Park thing, and I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> it, it, it is a really perfect joke for that exact, you know, thing that they're doing and they're, they're evoking with it. I think it's... Uh, it, it's a it's definitely a good start. It, it's a way of saying to the, to the audience, we are starting on a really nice bedrock of uh, perspective of comedic perspective here. Well, because like uh, I'm I'm hoping that the that, that the song does identify that does point out the fact that they're on Hulu now. Because like I saw the trailer where they're like uh you know where they've said that oh reboots and rehashing is uh <laughs> it is it's worthless it's pointless it's it's old hat. And then, right, and then you get Mo, Mo's voice off from the side, like, here's your check, you sellout. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hulu shows up in cash behind them. Exactly. And I, I, I like it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. It's, it's, yeah. um, I, I never thought I'd be so quickly sold on a project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, uh, as a proof of concept, that trailer is great. <laughs> I I was I was all in once I saw that it actually could work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've told this to a lot of people about cartoon theme songs. I think that the most heroic theme song ever, not not even just cartoons, any 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 theme song for a hero is Underdog. Oh, interesting. That's that's a good choice. That's God. It's been a while. It's well. it's my favorite theme song. Like I I sing it a lot. Just the <laughs> fact that they start off with the whole bum 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 bum. Ooh whoa whoa. It's it's fun. It's exciting. It gets you really into it. And then the lyrics come and you get you. It's I think I think the energy is infectious. Uh, the whole uh was it uh, uh when in this world the headlines read of those whose hearts are filled with greed to rob and steal. It's exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's that's a good one. That's when I got to revisit. Uh, it's fun. I highly recommend it. I think yeah. uh, during this time of the pandemic, that's a song that I, I, I think I timed it because I know I know all the words of that theme song. So I timed that with the 20 seconds. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> this, is the, this is the song I'm going to sing when I wash my hands. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's very much of a style of of the, like the like back in the the Gerald McBoing Boing ways uh, of particular style that I have to. I think it's UPN. Um, no, that I, I might have. That might not be correct, but there's a particular three-word uh, or th- three-word three-letter acronym that I'm, for some reason at this moment, not remembering. Uh, if I were Jerry Beck, I would know better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as as much of a nerd as I am, as much of an animation nerd as I am, I'm not the awesomeness that is Jerry Beck. <laughs> And I think that uh, one franchise that always has the best uh, theme songs, no matter what kind of iteration it is, is the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Ninja Turtles, multiple great. It's they've had a lot of great music, no doubt about it. I it, it took me a, like maybe once or twice to be sold on the 2012, but then after that, I was like, the 2012 is great. <laughs> Isn't it uh, a lot of influence from the uh, it is. theme song? Yes, it is. It is. So that was actually part of why I had. it took me a moment because I was like, it took so much from the 80s. It's like, is this, is it too too much? Is it like, should they have done something else? And, but then I was like, no, no, this is perfect. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget what performer it was, but uh, someone did a, uh, um, a whole cello performance of the X-Men theme song. And... <laughs> It's weird because like I because th- I, I I heard this I heard this musician um, they did X Men and they also did uh, Ducktales and the Ducktales is really fun but I feel like the X Men one translated so much better than Ducktales because uh, the deep the deep noises that come out of a cello with the X Men thing with that the X Men yeah. theme song was gorgeous and epic. <laughs> I, I I can definitely see that. I know that there was the. Oh, I'm blanking on who does it, but there's those kind of, you know, um, like sexy versions of, of, of classic songs of like you kind of jazz uh, cover versions. Uh, and they did Pinky in the Brain and they got Rob and Moe to be in the background as uh, as bartenders. And that was fantastic. Pinky in the Brain is, of course, another theme song that I think deserves uh, rec- recognition in this respect. Because that, that's a pretty perfect theme as well. I think about that theme song too often <laughs> <laughs> like i feel like uh I, i'm trying to think of what lyric for that song just happens in regular conversation where i'm just like uh, uh the dawning of the sun they'll take over the world i'll say that <laughs> way more often than i thought i would i think that that's so, not so much to mention of their twilight campaign is easy to explain <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I was actually watching an episode of Piggy and Brain, and uh, there's there's a lot of bits from, like, I, I hate it when I mention the Animaniacs or Piggy and the Brain, and I mention the adult humor, and the first thing that people go to is the fingerprints gag. Right, and from Hercule Yako. I get very annoyed by that because I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's only a really popular example, but there's so many <laughs> oh, examples, man. better examples of that. For example, uh, I was watching an episode of Piggy and the Brain, and Piggy goes, pork! Pork! Wait, nope, nope, that's not the right one. Help! Help! And I, think, <laughs> I don't think that kids uh, can appreciate how funny that oh, is. Oh God! <laughs> you know, it was like the Dolly Parton uh, caricature in Bubba Boba Brain. <laughs> I'd say that puberty was inordinately kind to you. <laughs> um. My favorite bit is uh, one episode, one part they made the gag of the Marx Brothers, the whole bit where they're leaning up against the door and you open the door and they all pile down. And Dot 
looks at the camera and says, uh, oh, funny. It's a Marx reference. I get it. Oh, yeah, joke. Night of the Opera bit. Funny bit. <laughs> funny thing, by the way, from the same cartoon as Fingerprints. That's Hercule Echo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll be honest. I did not remember that at all. But... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, um, just that that bit, I was like, yeah, no, that's good. That's a good that's good adult humor, humor that uh, humor that kids aren't really familiar with Marx. Well, <laughs> I don't know any kid who knows Marx Brothers. You you might have been that kid. <laughs> I, I was I was that kid. I, I, I was that kid. Always have but, been. Always will be. <laughs> <laughs> but I like um, I like that idea that uh, that there should be jokes that people will know when they get older and they learn more stuff. They watch more movies. They, they get more exposure to culture and then they can come back and watch that gag and like, ha ha, I get it. <laughs> I agree. Although the trick is um, a joke still has to have an inherent, you know, whatever the underlying absurdity or uh, exaggeration still needs to work. Even if you don't recognize it, I think, cause that's, that's what separates you from say like, you know, these kinds of animaniacs jokes. Like when I was, when I was a kid, Obviously, fingerprints didn't, you know, register for me on that level. But I still thought it was funny because of the timing and because of, you know, Prince smiles at Dot and and it just it, it that works unto itself. Whereas comparably, what you might call a manatee gag in regards to Family Guy, uh, yeah, using the South Park reference, it's just I don't need to laugh because I've been reminded that something exists. Correct. And I feel like, uh, um, what was it? I think Scary Movie does that a lot, where you watch yeah. scary movies and you're like, oh, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, a lot of cheap parody, especially when that, I mean, Scary Movie had, you know, had an element of novelty, but by the time it was getting to uh, Epic Movie, which I think is infamously, like, one of the worst, if not the worst, either that or, uh, um, and there was a couple of other ones at that point in time, but that... I remember particularly being really bad and it was just, I recognize where that's from. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, uh, uh, there's a lot of times where I watch movies or watch cartoons and someone, uh, th there's been too many times where someone looks at me as like, Oh, that's totally you. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point of, uh, that's the point of cartoons and movies is they're trying to get relatable <laughs> characters because that's how you create a character is, relatable reactions and uh <laughs> exactly funny that <laughs> um another oh god i'm sorry angie heads up cut that as well i don't know why i all day i'll be po i'll be not so popular but right now of course i get all the calls <laughs> um everybody wants a piece of jimmy purcell <laughs> So cut that one we're gonna out put too. you. We're going to put you on the circuit, send you around. There'll be Jimmy Purcell signs, Jimmy Purcell billboards, Jimmy Purcell Tic Tacs. We're going to put you everywhere, kid. All right, you know what, Angie? Don't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> um, Another cartoon theme song I always think about. Well, no. You know what? I didn't think about it until I mentioned Tick in Fantasia. Um, I love the Tick <laughs> theme song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And that's another theme song I'll think about a lot because, like, uh, there's moments with their scat that go with the action of the Tick. 
when oh, yeah. you have the go- guys going, like, it's just fantastic. <laughs> Speaking about talking in tongues. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh, what's your favorite villain song? Oh, gosh. There, there's there's a number of very good ones. And I'll, I'll mention a couple of uh, uh, I'll mention a couple of runner ups because I can't not mention them uh like mention more than one uh friends on the other side uh is truly great um for my favorite film of all time you'd be prepared of course uh gotta give some love uh to um batman brave and the bold and jeff bennett singing uh uh where's the fun in that as well of course pretty much everything in mayhem of the music meister uh but i'm gonna have to give it to poor unfortunate souls Oh, Poor Unfortunate Souls, it's a waltz, uh, which is an interesting choice for a villain song anyway, but it also has such beautiful build, you know, narratively. I mean, it, it's, it, it is her way of both seducing and bullying Ariel into doing what she wants. And it's such, I mean, it's a perfect performance from Pat Carroll. Oh my God. And it's also just so so freaking that's i would actually make the argument that of all the disney films all of them that's that film in particular little mermaid is the one that most depends uh and utilizes its slate of songs best i think all of the best scenes in that movie are the songs i mean not that there aren't other great moments or other great scenes but in particular, the best scenes are almost always accompanied with a song in Little Mermaid. I think I would agree with that. Um, and you get that like with the with the first scene. I feel like that sailor song is just yeah. a really good way of uh, beginning it, like it, it, introducing Fathoms you to below. this world. <laughs> yeah, Fathoms Below is a great little opener. I mean, it's quick, but it's there. Um, I felt like uh, I'm 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 not a big fan of Frozen. I've I've been outspoken on not liking Frozen, but I remember when uh, I saw that in theaters and you had the uh, the ice uh, the ice guy song in the very beginning of Frozen. I thought that we were gonna get uh, the same sort of love of music as Little Mermaid. I thought we, that mm-hmm. was gonna be the fans below, and I was like, all right, I'm excited about this. And then later on, the whole story came down, and I'm not a fan. <laughs> I was very disappointed. <laughs> I, I like Frozen more than you, but I will say that I think that the the score, um, the songs can be a little hit or miss. Uh, some of them I think are really great. Some of them, I don't know. Frozen 2 actually had some nice songs in it too. But I, again, I think that if I had to choose my favorite of like the last decade's worth of uh, the Disney films, Frozen's not on the top. The yeah. top is... Actually, it, it might be some of, I think maybe of the musicals, because a number of them haven't been musicals, but of the musicals, the one from the 2010s that would most rank is Moana, without a question, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. That's, that is a good one. And um, that's got the best score and best bunch of songs, too. So there you go. But uh, I think it's funny that you mentioned like my two favorite villain songs, because I love, uh, I would also put Poor Unfortunate Souls on top, just because... Um, right there in the middle, she completely changes her way of attacking <laughs> Ariel. 
Um, right. Yeah. It has this <laughs> huge, like sharp uptick of, uh, you know, in energy as she, uh, which is like, uh, 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 but without my voice, how would I? And then she's like, Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck your nonsense, Ariel. There's <laughs> other your things. <laughs> <laughs> your pretty face. And don't underestimate the importance of body language. Ha! Um, yeah, I that that's like a great segment. <laughs> Ursula's laughter. I'm I'm always annoyed by this, but I've I've heard I've heard folks be, be able to recreate Ursula's laughter, and I, that's one laugh that I keep trying to uh, recreate, and I just can't. <laughs> Pat Carroll has a great cackle. There's yeah. no question about it. it, it it's I think it's important to remember it as a cackle because it, that that will help you you know get to that place because you know, it's like a. <laughs> you know, Who, who's of, the voice of uh, Zim? Zim, uh, Richard Horvitz. I feel like his laugh reminds me of Ursula. It's just the hacking the. <laughs> Horvitz could get there. Horvitz could get there. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Because mm. I'm thinking about all the stuff that I would have to do to be able to do an Ursula laugh, and I'm like, fuck it, I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but I think about Zim whenever I think about what what would be needed to make her laugh. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, in my life, I've spent more time working on a different animated villain's laugh. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. <laughs> um, but then you also mentioned poor uh, uh, friends on the other side, which oh, yeah. is amazing. Uh, I have so much fun with that song, and I feel like uh, I feel like I feel like I like dynamic songs. I like uh, the villain trying to seduce the good get the protagonist in the early part, and then I like it when uh, part of the song is. The villain winning, the the villain yeah. now mocking and uh, enjoying the victory. Um, That's true. Friends and Poor Unfortunate Soul both have that quality where by the very end of the song itself, they've gotten what they wanted. And you get that when he's like, <laughs> even up to the, the last part, he's still trying to get them where he's like, come on, boys. And he's still being sweet. Don't you shake a poor <laughs> sinner's hand. <laughs> and then they grab the hand. It's like, yes. And it's just fun. I like <laughs> <laughs> I like that excitement of like, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> totally. Uh, that yeah. I mean Keith David. Um, but another villain song like uh, I want I want to put on honorable honorable mention our two villain songs that I always think about is uh, Rasputin song. Ah, um, in the in the dark of the night. Yeah. Woo, Jim Cummings. <laughs> I. I mean, we can talk so much about Jim Cummings and our love oh, of God. Jim Cummings. <laughs> um, I mean, you you mentioned uh, Be Prepared. That's another yep. Jim Cummings went right there at the end. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, you won't get a sniff without me, and then he comes in. And the amazing thing is, when you get used enough to Jim's voices, you can hear it. But hearing it doesn't make it like a disconnect. It's more like, oh God, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just him being able to recreate people's voices in song is just yeah. phenomenal. I mean, the funny thing about In the Dark of the Night is that I don't necessarily think that he's voice matching Christopher Lloyd particularly like on point. It's that Jim Cummings villain acting through the singing is so good that he's he's still such a great actor unto himself that that made people think that it must be Christopher Lloyd because there's so much acting going on. Mm-hmm. And I think they're used to, I think they're used to what uh, a lot of the Disney films have done when they cast like you know, you know Scott Weinger playing Aladdin, but then Brad Kane doing his voice. And Brad Kane is a very talented singer, and it's not that he's putting nothing into those songs, but he's not 
quite at the same level of mischief and characterization of Aladdin that Scott Winger does. And you you see that throughout a number of the um, the Disney films where anytime they've got a replacement uh, singer, they're not quite the actor that the actor is. But man, in that case, the replacement voice is as much, if not better, frankly, <laughs> as a villain actor than even Christopher Lloyd. I love Christopher Lloyd, but fuck me. Come on. <laughs> right. Um, and the other one is Darla Dimple, because we were already mentioning that. Uh, ah, yes. And actually, now that's an interesting one, because there is a singing voice on that one. Um, and she did a great job. I don't think you would necessarily be able to tell, because she the, the, the singing voice really played the acting of, uh, of Darla Dimple really nicely in those songs. And again, I think it's all about uh, the switch, because, uh, um, I mean... Big and loud, she has a whole song with Danny uh, being, you know, trying to seduce him and show him that, you know, you've got to be big and loud. And then when uh, when she has him, she she won, <laughs> she got his trust. That's when big and loud comes back in like this really just scary way. And oh, I, yeah. I love the switch. <laughs> I, ha- I have to give credit to one I didn't mention. Um, I, uh, you know, I think this is this pair of songs of, of the villain songs is probably the best thing about this movie uh tangled mother knows oh. best mother knows best <laughs> that, and mother's that best switch reprise. is so amazing <laughs> that is so good i mean the overall the best thing about the movie is how it figured out the mental abuse the emotional abuse of uh mother gothel uh and rapunzel that that's it's that's the film's strongest uh aspect and those songs most evoke it and and that's one where they don't have to worry about a replacement because Donna Murphy is this remarkable Broadway star. Sure. Uh, so she's bringing all of her acting to those songs, but damn, those are good. But like when, when the, when the, repre- when, how do, you, how do you pronounce that word? Reprise. 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 Okay, cool. Just making sure. Cause yeah. like a lot of times I, I mispronounce, uh, <laughs> I, I, I say vowels strange and I think it's because I was raised on angry beavers. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of times I'll say a word and I'm like, you know what? I don't think that's correct. I think I think I did that on purpose. Because <laughs> I, I feel like a Norbert did that a lot, where he'll be like, uh, things have gone awry, and it'll be just like really <laughs> dumb, the, the wrong wrong way to pronounce a word. And uh, I think I, I, I always think of I always think of falling hair. The uh, the uh-huh. Bugs cartoon with the Gremlin, where yeah. Bugs is reading the the the, the book about uh, the Gremlins, and, he, and he's going like. Uh, gremlins and their diabolical sabotage. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's another good example of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think bugs also fuck me up with a lot. Of <laughs> I I feel like uh um uh Robin Williams his Popeye, but I'll, because I like a uh, pronunciation, and I'll be like, nope, that's not that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> The, the trick about, you know, comedic mispronunciation is you do have to have the audience recognize what word you are saying. Yeah. <laughs> so that you you can't so screw it up that they're like, what? The, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the reprise of uh, Mother, Mother Knows Best, uh, right when you hear the instruments come in, which is like, oh, bottom, that that dramatic bit where you're just like, oh, shit, <laughs> it's going right. to get dark. <laughs> that that, oh, that is a, that is great stuff. Uh, back to Fantasia. 
Please. Um, if you were to put a turkey in any Fantasia segment, which one would you choose? These are really important questions. Yeah, no, it, it's true, especially, you know, in terms of what the next holiday coming up is. Um, as, I mean, on a culinary level, I think Chernobog could actually roast it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that said, yeah, the turkey... so scary. <laughs> Right, but I mean, at least at, at least we'll get crisp skin. That's the yeah, important. Yeah, but I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the <laughs> but, 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 but the turkey. live live turkey. It's gonna obviously have to be dance of the hours, okay. um, <laughs> because I mean, because it, it, that would just make sense. I mean, let's see a turkey doing ballet alongside the ostrich and the crocs and the and the hippos and the yeah. elephants, um, because why the fuck not? <laughs> You're already there. Um, see, I wouldn't. I would say Dance of the Hours well over Carnival of, uh, of the Animals because you know that has to stay uh, flamingos. That th- there's no room for anything else. That's perfect as it is. Uh, but there's room in Dance of the Hours, I think, for some turkeys. Sure. I'm. I'm still getting. I'm. I'm kind of uh, traumatized, but <laughs> my mind immediately. Uh, I, I started playing a song with Trinobog. Uh, what, what's that segment called? What's the song? Uh, Night, Night on Ball Mountain. Night on Thank Ball you. Night on Ball Mountain. Um, I, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. There's two fiery demons across the entire Fantasia segment, but uh, Fantasia canon. But um, between Chernobog and the Firebird, I feel like Chernobog would at least produce a completed roasted bird. Firebird's not going to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> Firebird doesn't care what he's doing. <laughs> um. So now that we're done, we, we we've talked a lot about cartoons. I want to talk about <laughs> your uh, voice acting career. Oh, um, thank you. I, I know you've done uh, the the few recent the, the recent ones that you've sent uh, my way have been the DC characters which have been a whole lot of fun. Um, That's been great. Doing the Noah Sterling videos have been awesome. Uh, they, I, I, I'm I'm particularly just amazed by who I get to have my names next to in the uh, uh, in, in the final credits. You know, I mean, along with Noah Sterling and Max Dweck, who who, who write and produce them. Uh, you know, these are uh, these are people who I uh, or friends, but also I admire them amazingly for their own voice work, uh, like KG Tang, who plays uh, Batman. He's my Batman for for my Joker, uh, and uh, and Jem Torres as Harley, who I mean, you 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 have seen him in, in person, Jem playing Harley from, of course, uh, the Almost Got Him reading. Uh, that that's uh, who that is. But then with also Sean Chiplock and Bill Butts and Austin Lee Matthews and Tian Camacho. Um, D.W. McCann uh, so, uh, and Stuart Krug uh, and Zena Robinson uh, uh, and Kimlin Tran, all, all of these are amazing voice actors who, you know, some of them have phenomenal, uh, you know, resumes already, dwarfing mine significantly. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's to me, actually, that's the best part is to be able to say, wow, I, I'm incredibly proud to have have my work alongside theirs um and they would be able to find these videos by going to they would be able to find these videos by going to the youtube channel for noah sterling and okay. uh, no, noah sterling is probably best known as having produced the uh, marvel tldr 
series, which Marvel had commissioned. And they did a number of TLDR videos where they just kind of summed up in a comedic, uh, brief comedic fashion, any number of famous Marvel characters and in uh, their comic storylines and stuff like that. And so it's, it's comic focused, technically. It's, it's uh, They're not uh, talking about or adapting any of like the cartoon or film adaptations. But Noah is now doing some DC stuff as well. It started with the animated history of every Robin, uh, which I was not in. But then after that, uh, they did animated history of Green Lantern, animated history of the Flash, and then most recently, uh, the animated history of the Joker, in which I played a particularly familiar part. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about this. <laughs> can, 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 can you give me a little, uh, the, the little, the little, the little laugh, the one in, in mid sentence? <laughs> well, no, like the, the 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 silly one where he says something. Oh, What's well, a good example? Um, I feel like it's a, uh, I feel like a good example is when he's talking to the mob boss on fan, uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh. Um... Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Kind of like when he's like, don't touch me, old man. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> oh, Sal. <laughs> uh, yes. Or uh, here, here's a good example. Here's a good example of the laugh I'm looking for. If it's a uh, Joker as the Tigger. <laughs> I, feel oh, like Joker does, I feel like Joker does moments like that. Because Tigger has the whole, <laughs> and then Joker has that little, like, uh, <laughs> There we go. That's the laugh I was looking That's for. That's the one you're thinking. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna now forever consider that the Tigger Joker laugh. <laughs> T I double G that spills. <laughs> Tigger. <laughs> Fantastic. Now I I kind of want to hear you sing the whole Tigger song. We don't have the to most right wonderful now. thing about Jokers is Jokers are wonderful things. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, what last bits of advice would you give to either a voice actor or a cartoon fanatic? Oh, um, okay. That's technically it's two different groups. Um, yeah. For, uh, uh, you get to pick. You get to choose which one you want. All right. I'll. I'll <laughs> so you didn't really talk. You didn't really talk too much about your voice acting career. Your, no, your that's work. Fine. Let, oh no. I'll, I'll go. I'll go voice actor. Excellent. I'll, to, to anybody who's interested in this side of things. Um, two bits of advice. First is go to IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. No, no spaces or underscores or dashes. Um, that's the site of D. Bradley Baker, uh, whom you would know for five shit billion things, <laughs> uh, but probably best known as uh, all the clones on the Star Wars cartoons. He's Klaus on American Dad. Uh, he's um, uh, he's uh, Appa and Momo and all the animals on uh, Legend of uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Uh, D has been around forever and he's amazing and he has this site. I want to be a voiceactor.com that will give you so much great advice at every step of the way. I go back to it multiple times myself to renew wisdom and, and knowledge and stuff like that. And he's constantly updating it. He recently updated it with information and advice regarding COVID, for instance, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's the great, the, the best uh, resource that you can find, especially you know, at any point, but especially as you're starting. The other thing that I would say is, because I do get a lot of questions, what's what first step? What's what, what do I need to do for the first step to get started in voiceover? And 
I would challenge you because I always, when it's the one person asking me, I'll ask them a little bit more, but framed to everybody, check yourself as to what do you already have? Because you probably have already taken some variant of a first step already. Are you already an actor? Are you already someone who plays with sound and you know the equipment and uh, and things of that nature? Are you already someone who's a fan of animation? Do you know a lot about video games? Do you know a lot about anime? Do you know a lot about Western animation? Anything of that nature? Whatever it is that you already are, that's your first step. You did it. Congratulations. Now, Look at all the stuff you haven't done yet and think about that because you're going to take what you've done as your first step and use that as a launching pad as you grow as an actor. Many actors want to get into voiceover and they've studied acting, but they don't know anything about animation or commercials. And so you've got to go out there and listen to it. If you're a fan, congratulations. Your fandom is a way of understanding the industry, what sounds are out there, what's common, what are trends. You've got that now go pursue the art of doing it. Every way, any angle that you're coming at it, there's some first step that you did take to get to the point of being able to ask the question, what's the first step?